there was a 27% increase in um, average daily gain on the multi-species treatment over that of the clover and perennial ryegrass. And then as we move then down into the first winter, we're going to see that all calves put on a similar amount of weight throughout the first winter period, irrespective of pasture type. But then it's when we move on to our second grazing season that we're really starting to see the benefit of, you know, incorporating either clover or multi-species into our sports. Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, we feature Ellen Fitzpatrick from Chagas Johnstown Castle, whose presentation from the Chagas National Beef Conference describes how to make the most from a high input, high output dairy beef system. I suppose just to give a little bit of a background as to why we've carried out this uh, this piece of research. So I suppose as a as a sector, we have a policy ambition to reduce our age of slaughter by up to three months on the on the beef herd and to reduce our chemical nitrogen use by uh, by twenty percent on Irish farms. And this, I suppose, combined has led to can we slaughter, can slaughter age be reduced from a predominantly grass-based diet and can low nitrogen systems support high levels of carcass output per hectare? So these are the questions that have been posed from, I suppose, our our strive to kind of achieve these targets. So I suppose nationally, um, our dairy beef heifers have the highest probability of failing to meet um, carcass specification in terms of carcass weight, confirmation, age of slaughter and carcass weight. And this has led to nationally uh, an average age of slaughter of between 24 and 27 months for these um, these dairy bred uh, beef heifers from the from the Irish dairy herd. So we're kind of trying to see can we um, can we pull back this um, can we pull back this age of slaughter? We're also looking at kind of how nitrogen, the the interaction between nitrogen and this kind of a system, um, how how they play together. So I suppose at the minute our our swords are predominantly perennial ryegrass, but in order to achieve a high level of kind of you know carcass performance off our swords, we need really productive and really really high quality swords. And that kind of a system is very much so underpinned by high levels of chemical nitrogen input. But in order to achieve these policy targets, we're going to have to pull back on our chemical nitrogen input. So we're very much so looking towards the incorporate, you know, a renewed interest in the incorporation of legumes on our farms in in a bid to replace this chemical this chemical nitrogen input. And the other reason I suppose we're looking at this study is there is a very high attrition rate of farmers engaged in dairy beef production. And that kind of mostly goes down to a variable levels of animal and financial performance. And what we're very much so trying to look at, look at is if we pull back the way, the age of slaughter, albeit we're going to have, you know, lower carcass weights. But if we can slaughter these animals and get them relatively, you know, in spec off pasture, we will completely eliminate the need for a housing period and concentrate supplementation on these animals. So that's kind of what we're trying to look at. And all these elements combined that will they provide kind of a more viable option for dairy bee farmers. So I suppose the next thing I'm just going to talk about is why do we need to reduce the age of slaughter and why are we trying to reduce our nitrogen use? So. In 2022, the agricultural sector in Ireland was responsible for 38.4% of greenhouse gas emissions. But we also have a sectorial target in which we're aiming to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions by 25%. So, uh, you know, we're kind of very much so aiming to reduce these greenhouse gas emissions and nitrate leaching from our agricultural practices. And the reason we want to do that is because we want to improve groundwater quality and we want to improve our air quality. So in pulling back, I suppose, our, our nitrogen application, we're going to reduce the level of green of nitrous oxide emissions. 
And, and on average, a beef animal is going to produce between 200 and 220 grams of, um, of methane per day. And if we can pull back that age of slaughter, and we've seen from our study that we can get, you know, some heifer slaughter from ages as low as 16 months, that if we can pull back that age of slaughter, we're going to have a big impact on reducing the total, the total uh, methane emissions from the beef herd. We're also trying to very much so uh, reduce the imports of fertilizer or feed on our farm. So if we are able to fix our own nitrogen and grow our own protein sources, as farmers, we're not as vulnerable to kind of volatile prices in terms of feed and fertilizer inputs onto our farm. We're also going to improve our nitrogen use efficiency and there's going to be a lower fossil, fossil fuel kind of uh, requirement associated with manufacturing and transporting of fertilizer and feed. And finally, just cost, like we're all trying to reduce our costs and improve the viability of these of these farming systems. So, you know, we're keeping our animals for longer and uh, also, you know, spreading additional nitrogen. It comes at a big cost to, to our farms. The last couple of years has seen unprecedented increases in the price of fertilizer, feed and fuel. So, you know, if we can, um, you know, like we've seen the cost of a ton of grass go up by 29% between 21 and 22. So if we can kind of keep our animals for 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 a lower, for less time, and if we can kind of improve efficiency in terms of incorporating legumes and possibly herbs into our system, can we cut back on the level of nitrogen going out on our farms? So I suppose then if we're going to go down the route of looking at increasing our sward diversity, uh, we very much so have to start at the point that, you know, our the Irish beef system is very much so in underpinned by efficient conversion of graze grass into beef. And if we're going to kind of be under a system of enforced levels of enforced cutting of kind of levels of chemical nitrogen fertilizer, we have to look towards possibly the incorporation of clover to in, to you know replace that chemical nitrogen so what exactly are i suppose the benefits of improving our sward diversity so the first thing that i'll talk about is animal performance so you know it's well reported in scientific literature that there is you know an increase in animal performance with the incorporation of clover into our swards and that's generally derived from superior sward quality which is a reduction which kind of manifests as a reduction of uh, ndf content in the grass which is able to encourage greater levels of dry matter intake there's also a biological nitrogen fixation benefit. So the incorporation of clover into swards of perennial ryegrass has the potential to biologically fix up to 250 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. And this occurs through the process of biological nitrogen fixation in which there is a bacteria on the um, on the root of the clover plant that has the ability to fix atmospheric nitrogen and make it plant available. Plant available. And finally, there's a herbage production benefit. So I suppose there's been many studies conducted across Chagas that have proven that, you know, at lower at lower uh, nitrogen application rates that we can grow a similar amount of grass or an improve, you know, an increased amount of grass up to even a ton and a half additional herbage grown off, um, off swards that have reduced fertilizer applications with the incorporation of, um, of legumes and, and herbs. And I know all this sounds very good and I do completely appreciate that there are, you know, that there is a, a downside to kind of increasing your sward diversity. So I suppose the first thing is that in intensive dairy beef regimes, it's not very well reported how um, multi-species and clover swards withstand kind of the intensive grazing. And there's also concerns among farmers 
around the kind of persistency of legumes and and herbs within their within their swords and the lack of availability of a post-emergent spray for um for our multi-species swords. So all of that information that I've just presented combined, I suppose, led us to, you know, realizing that we very much so needed to to examine the relationship between uh, pasture type and animal, you know, the interaction between them both. So as a result, a farm systems experiment was set up at the Chagas Johnstown Castle Research Farm uh, in 2021 and ran until 2023 with the primary objective of being being to determine the financial and physical performance of early maturing breed dairy beef heifers consuming contrasting pasture types. So the three pasture types that we had on, on our farm was um, a perennial ryegrass only pasture type, and that was receiving 150 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. Um, a clover pasture type, which was uh, consisted of perennial ryegrass and a 50-50 mix of red and white clover, and that was receiving 75 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. And the final pasture type was a multi-species type, and that was composed of red clover, white clover, perennial ryegrass, uh, plantain and chicory, and that also received 75 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare per year. So each pasture type had its own individual farmlet and it was 10 hectares in total. And that was stocked at 2.5 live units per hectare, which equated to 182 kilograms of organic nitrogen per hectare. So then just a little bit of a note on the management of um, of these pasture t- treatments. So they were all managed completely identically. We would have used uh, Pasture Base Ireland as kind of a, a management tool. We would have maintained a similar rotation length. Our spring and our spring and autumn targets would have been the exact same across the three sward types. And the only thing that different that differed was our um, was our fertilizer application. So that leads me on nicely to the next slide where I'll just discuss a couple of notes on the nitrogen fertilizer application strategy that we maintain. So the first thing that I'll say is that all um, all uh, nitrogen that went out was in the form of protected urea. And then you'll see there that our first application that went out, which was kind of early in the springtime t- period, would have had the exact same amount of uh, chemical nitrogen applied. And that's because at that time of the year, uh, you know, it, it kind of would be foreseen that uh, there's not a high enough clover content in the sport to support kind of the level of spring grass growth that we needed. But you'll see from April onwards, we were able to cut back on the level of nitrogen applied on the clover and multi-species treatment. And that's because from April onwards, we're starting to see an increase in soil temperature. We're starting to see longer daylight hours and um, more sunshine. So that's it's kind of from that point of the year onwards that we're starting to see a kickstart in our clover content. And from July, for the July and August uh, fertilizer applications, we you know foresaw that our our clover content was very much so sufficient to support grass growth during those periods. So we had we put out absolutely no chemical nitrogen jo- during both of those months. And then we went out with 15 kilograms uh, across the three pasture treatments in September to build our autumn, our, our autumn grazing covers. So this overall represented a reduction of 75 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare. And that very much so represents a very significant saving in fertilizer for, for farmers. So then just moving on then on to just a little bit of about the management of the animals that we would have bought in for the study. So calves were bought in um, at on average of 20 weeks of age over the two, over the two years. They were on average 159 kilograms um, in weight on arrival and their average date of birth was the 16th of February. And all of the calves that were bought in were sired by either Hereford or Angus um, bulls and they were the progeny of Holstein Frisian dams. 
So upon arrival, then they were assigned to one of the three pasture treatments. So grass only, grass clover or multi-species. And there would have been kind of a number of grazing management rules that we would have implemented. So we targeted a pre-grazing herbage mass of between 1300 and 1600. And we aimed for a post-grazing sward height of five centimetres. And that was to strive to encourage quite good quality uh, regrowth in the subsequent uh, rotations, but also not to have an effect on animal performance. And then all treatment groups were offered um, fresh herbage every 48 hours or when the target post-grazing sward height was achieved. And that was to encourage high levels of dry matter intake. Then as the grazing season progressed, we would have housed the animals in November. And that's generally when grazing conditions deteriorated. And when we had reached our uh, target closing cover of 450 kilograms of dry matter per hectare. Then during the, the winter months, then the animals, you know, they they maintained their, their pasture treatment. So they were fed silages that were made off their, their pastures during the summer months. And that was fed to them ad lib. And then on average, over the two winter periods, we would have fed 1.25 kilograms of concentrate. So then moving on from that, then animals would have gone out to pasture um, in early March. And from then on, the yearlings would have been weighed every two weeks. And from those weighings, we would have identified any animals that have a bo- had a body condition score of greater than 3.75 um, units. And they would have been drafted for, sh- for slaughter as a representation of a fat score in the factory between 3 minus and 3 plus. And then just a note on that, that any animals that were not or were not slaughtered from pasture, they would have gone into the house in early October and would have been fed again all their pasture treatment silage and a finishing diet of four, uh, four kilograms of concentrate. So then I suppose just to talk a little bit then, you know, we've kind of, I've kind of told you all about what we did and why we did it. And kind of this is now moving on to like, what kind of results did we get from this? So the first thing I want to say from this is that all three pasture treatments were treated the exact same and I know I've said it already but I just want to you know really drive home that um, you know we weren't given any pasture type and advantage over one over the other and that any benefits that were seen in terms in terms of herbage production or animal performance were because of superior sward quality not because we were given one pasture type and advantage over another one um, and then just another note to add would be that um we would have before every paddock was grazed, we measured pre-grazing herbage mass. When the animals came out of their allocations, we measured post-grazing sward height. And then um, follow or prior to grazing for the multi-species and the clover uh, paddocks, we would have measured by t- botanical composition. So just in terms of some of the herbage production results that we saw, so um, the three different, uh, the sorry, the herbage production from the three different pr- treatments are presented on the graph here. So the perennial ryegrass treatment uh, produced 11.9 tonnes of dry matter over the years. The clover treatment produced 11.5 and the multi-species pr- uh, produced 11.4. So you know, you can see from here that there's a, a very similar, you know, level of herbage production, but a big kind of a big and a significant finding of this study is that we grew a similar amount of herbage with 50% less chemical fertilizer, which represents a big saving on our farms. So that's 150 kilograms versus 75. Uh, in terms of the po- or the pre-grazing herbage mass that we achieved, we achieved a 1,557 kilogram dry matter pre-grazing herbage mass and all of the three treatments grazed to 4.9 centimetres post-grazing sward height. And then just the final comment I have on this, uh, on this slide is that... Um, the you know you can see here that there's a significantly lower dry matter content on the multi-species treatment compared to that on the clover and perennial ryegrass. So this you know this trend was very much so observed throughout the entire grazing season, and it's a parameter we very would 
very much so would have taken into consideration when allocating these animals grass that there is a significantly lower dry matter on that treatment. So next up then just is a little bit on the sward composition that we would have seen throughout the year. So on the left-hand side of the screen here, you'll see the um, the sward composition for the clover treatment. And then on the right-hand side, it's the, um, the multi-species treatment. So um, I suppose to start with here, like it's very well reported that we need at least a 20% average clover content in our swards to see an animal production performance benefit and to see our biological nitrogen fixation performance benefit. So, you know, we need that minimum 20% here. So for the, um, sorry, for the um, uh, clover treatment, the average sward composition was 20% white clo or clover, total clover throughout the entire grazing season. So it was 22% for the clover. And then the composition of the multi-species treatment was 21% clover, 46% perennial ryegrass, 25% plantain, 6% chicory and 2% weeds. So that was kind of the the um the the composition the the average composition of the swords throughout the year. So um, we were we were well over you know we were over our twenty percent that we were you know the literature would say that we require, um, and those average sward compositions would take into account that clover for example starts at quite low levels early in the year and tends to peak in the you know months between kind of July and September so that kind of takes all of that into account. Um, for this study, peak clover content was observed um, in September for the um, for the clover or for the clover only treatment at 32%, and it was observed in um, July for the uh, multi species treatment at, at 37%. Uh, plantain peaked in March for the um, multi species treatment, and chicory peaked in October for the um, uh, for the multi species treatment also. Then just a couple of more comments on the spore composition. So um, I think, you know, as we all know that uh, perennial ryegrass, you know, it heads out kind of in the period of late, late May and early June. And, you know, that's when it goes through the reproductive growth stage and the quality of the spore generally tends to really be, you know, quite poor at that stage. But it's from here on that you can see that, you know, that's when we're starting to see significant increases in our clover contents in both, uh, in both pasture types. And, you know, you can very much so see that these two uh, species can be very much so complementary to each other. So that as perennial ryegrass, um, you know, quality is declining, our sward clover content is increasing. So it can provide, you know, highly nutritious pastures throughout the entire entire grazing season. And then the final comment I'll just make on this slide is that, um, you know, the growth pattern of our clover that you can see on both um, on both uh, graphs very much so corresponds that we have sufficient levels of clover in our sward in our, you know, July and, and August, um, in the months of July and August, when we're putting out no chemical nitrogen. So, you know, we're, we're confident that we're able to support uh, herbage production at those time points through the year with sufficient clover content. Up to now, I suppose I've discussed the agronomic benefits of, of our differing pasture types, but now we want to see the effect that these, you know, the interaction that these pasture types have with our dairy beef heifers. So, you know, is there a performance benefit by improving your sward diversity? So the first um, slide that I'll talk about would be the live weight performance. And I suppose the first thing I'll bring your attention to is the first grazing season. So here we can see that there was a 20, there was a 27% increase in um, average daily gain on the multi-species treatment over that of the clover and perennial ryegrass. 
And then as we move then down into the first winter, we're going to see that all calves put on a similar amount of wheat throughout the second or throughout the first winter period, irrespective of pasture type. But then it's when we move on to our second grazing season that we're really starting to see the benefit of, you know, incorporating either clover or multi-species into our sports. So the greater, I suppose, uh, performance in our second grazing season has led to greater lifetime performance of our, you know, our multi-species and our clover animals compared to that of our perennial ryegrass. So this is very much so an indication that the, you know, the pasture performance of the perennial ryegrass was lower than that of the clover and multi-species, you know, at, at, at all time points through uh, while grazing pasture. So it very much so shows that increasing sward diversity does have an impact on sward quality, which is transla- translated into animal performance. And I think just in conclusion for this slide, you know, I think a very much so a blueprint that could be adapted by any any bee farmer is that, you know, the the you know superior performance of our calves on the multi-species would mean that putting a proportion of our grazing area into under multi-species for calves and then putting the remainder of our 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 grazing area into clover for our yearlings would be kind of a good system to kind of optimize performance and also you're cutting back on your nitrogen. So then just on to the the slaughter performance. So while we've seen, you know, better performance in terms of live weight gains for our clover and multi-species, we're just going to, I'm just going to talk now about how that translated into slaughter performance. So the first thing that I'll just bring your attention to is that um, the um, the perennial ryegrass had 68% of the heifers were slaughtered off pasture. The clover treatment had 86% of the animals slaughtered off pasture and the multi-species had 75% of animals slaughtered off pasture. So this, I suppose, the greater number of animals slaughtered off the multi-species in the clover pasture very much so translated into a lower level of concentrate, uh, finishing concentrate requirements. So the uh, on average the finishing concentrate requirement for the clover group was 25 kilograms of concentrate. It was 34 kilograms of concentrate for the multi-species and it was 62 kilograms of concentrate for the perennial ryegrass. So this very much so shows that, you know, grazing either clover or multi-species swords that you are very much so going to reduce your housing and concentrate requirement compared to that with your perennial ryegrass. In terms of slaughter age, the um, the perennial ryegrass were slaughtered at 19.6 months versus 19.2 months for your multi-species and your clover. And although it took a longer time to get to, to slaughter for the perennial ryegrass and a greater uh, concentrate supplementation was required, they still had a significantly lower carcass weight compared to that of the clover and multi-species. And they were also leaner um, and that's represented by a half a fat score lower than that of the clover and multi-species. So, you know, despite taking longer to reach to get to the factory, they still weren't, you know, good in terms of specifications as that of the clover and multi-species. So the in terms of slaughter weight, the clover and multi-species had higher slaughter weights, and that was very much so translated into their higher carcass weights. So I think that this kind of very much so does prove that, you know, if you're going to graze more diverse swords that, you know, there's great, there's superior herbage quality and that can lead to, you know, animals, you know, greater levels of kind of animal performance, which is translated into greater, greater carcass gain and an ability for these animals to lay down fat slightly earlier in life. So overall, we can see that the perennial ryegrass group did not really perform as well as as the other two treatment groups. And I think kind of a conclusion from this is very much so that, you know, um, 
in, incorporating, you know, clovers and multi-species and overall improving your sward diversity can very much so be used as a as a tar- as a technology to kind of reach our climate action targets. And this is very much so, uh, you know, a trend that can be applied to any sort of a, a beef system, albeit, you know, sucklers or, uh, you know, animals bred from the suckler herd, I mean, sorry, or, you know, steers from the dairy herd that like these gains in performance can be applied to any of the different uh, production systems, which I think, you know, is, is a really is a really good you know bit of bit of kind of research to be coming from this study so then I suppose I've pre- presented a lot of results there so just to summarize them though you know summarize what we've kind of concluded throughout this study and that seems to be that incorporating clover and herbs into your system can improve your overall animal performance so we saw you know 250 kilogram carcass weight versus 243 kilogram carcass weight it can reduce your age of slaughter so we can go from 19.6 months to 19.2 months we were able to grow a similar amount of herbage from a reduced you know from 50 percent less chemical uh, nitrogen fertilizer application and then this can, because we have a lower housing requirement, we have lower concentrate requirement and we have a lower fertilizer requirement, we can increase the profit of these systems compared to, you know, just being a ryegrass only system. So I think overall, this is very much so proven that we're doing less with more and we've got overall improved sustainability and it puts us one step closer towards, you know, hitting these climate action targets that have been faced with us. And then I'll just finish here with just a little bit of a, uh, of a talk on the new study that we've uh, set up and it started here in the spring in 2023. So I suppose, you know, I totally appreciate that the carcass weights that we would have achieved in this study, you know, were, were relatively small compared to animals that might be born from the suckler herd. So what we're kind of trying to look towards now is how can, you know, we've kind of realised that really good grassland management and really good pasture performance and that improving or increasing our spore diversity that we can improve performance but now we're kind of going chasing a, you know a maybe a 15 to 20 kilogram additional carcass weight so this is kind of all being combined into the reason why we're doing this new study so uh, as I was saying it started in the spring of this year and there's a PhD student Pori Coleman working on it along with Nikki Byrne and I from Chalgisk and Alan Kelly from UCD So what we're basically looking at is we're using the three established pasture treatments. So we have our grass only, our grass clover and our multi-species. We have a two, so it's basically a three pasture type, two animal maturity and three slaughter age factorial design study. The two animal maturity levels that we are using, or the two animal maturity levels are early maturing, which are represented by our Angus and Hereford animals and late maturing, which are represented by Limousine and Belgian Blues. So all of these animals, so sorry, these these animals all represent the four most commonly used breeds on the Irish dairy herd. And these animals would have been bought in with, you know, very much so genetic potential in mind. So they would have been bought in with a real emphasis on their carcass weight and confirmation of the DBI indexes. Following on from the animal breed, then we're going to be slaughtering. So the all these animals have been pre kind of have been assigned to a predetermined slaughter date. So they're either going to be slaughtered at 16, 19 or 22 months of age. And that's basically to see the level of carcass gain between pasture types, between uh, pass, pass, sorry, the carcass gain between um, slaughter dates at pasture is what we're kind of looking at. So this study will run for a number of years and we'll, um, we hope at the end of it to be able to identify the best best um, performing maturity on the best performing pasture type so we really are chasing that you know additional additional carcass weight to kind of I suppose improve the the viability of this. 
That's all for this week's episode and further details of the presentations and proceedings from the Chagas National Beef Conference can be found on the Chagas website and the link is in the podcast text. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.